0: Hello, welcome to Fandames. Uh my name is Parks. This is Nebula. Hey,
1: what's up? Yep, yeah, that's me. The other one was Parks where we do a show here. We like to I like to refer to it as our sleepover podcast because we just talk shit about each other, fandom, people online, bunch of other nonsense. And the nonsense we're choosing this week is Ghibli films. Ghibli films? I say, say
0: Studio Ghibli because I don't like saying Ghibli because it kind of feels like giblets and that's not a nice word on the tongue. I don't like that. That flow that doesn't is work for exactly me, That is exactly what Wooper I just said. I enjoy it. God, Wooper why are we the same person? <laughs> Stop, I was watching iCarly yesterday and... We were watching, because Ray pays for a Paramount Plus account, and so we were watching it together. We were watching, like, the new season, season f- Or not the new season, but the newest of season five. And, like, chat was silent again. And I said, hey, yo, isn't Gibby, like, kind of hot now? And, of course, everyone boos me. Like, fuck you, I'm right. He's kind of fine in these new seasons. Like, that kid kind of hit a glow up. Anyways, back to Studio <laughs> Ghib- um, Ghibli. Ghibli. <laughs> really quick because he messaged me after you said that because
1: I think the exact word was, is g- Gibby got fuckable. <laughs> and my response... I didn't know he threw me
0: under the
1: and, my... <laughs> and my response was, to which now I need an answer from you, is Parks aware that he's like an alt-right fuckwit now? Because he is. <laughs> yeah, he's like a crazy alt-right <sighs> christian republican dude yeah yeah (laughs) you should look at his twitter it's very fucked up hold on (laughs) she looks like she's about to cry and she's getting on her phone
0: (laughs) what's his fucking name again oh my
1: god no i just remember because he like after i carly he had like a youtube series for a while noah monk and then his YouTube series started getting like really weirdly political and like anti sjw He has nothing SJW. on his Twitter.
0: His Twitter's blank. Did he Did he delete it? No, it's still here. Like look, he used... it's right there. He's verified and all, but he's not here. Let me go.
1: No, if he has nothing on there and his profile's blank, he probably got suspended.
0: It doesn't say he got suspended though.
1: That hold on. Hold up. Hold... Got to do some We got to do some
0: yeah, don't mind us.
1: Just really quickly. What's his name? Noah, Noah Monk? Monk,
0: but it's M U N C K. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to look up Noah Monk Republican.
1: Gibby is a white supremacist, is the first thing that pops up. Yeah. Okay. So he tweeted in 2016 really sad to see Adult Swim caved SJW whining and cancel uh MDE Presents World Peace. Season one with some of the best content in years. um
0: oh, It's because they canceled it, which... alt right comedian show.
1: Yeah, that's and that's what he was supporting and was super excited about. Um, he is pretty gross.
0: He also supports neo Nazis.
1: Yup.
0: Oh my god.
1: So there you go. So you're um well fuckable glow up Nickelodeon boy. Nathan Kress
0: hasn't done anything wrong though, and he's still fine. Yes, he. Do you not know anything about Nathan Kress? What did he? He's do? like obsessively. Obsessively Christian,
1: like traditionalist, conservative Christian, and has been forever. Like, I can Whenever he house. was on the
0: card, <laughs> you're gonna tell me Jerry Turner's done something wrong. Did he do something wrong?
1: No, I think I, th- I think he's. I okay. can still. Fuck I haven't him, heard anything though, thank from God.
0: him. God, sounds solid.
1: <laughs> you you could always fuck him. Let's be I know real. what the <laughs> F- he was always. I fired. was rewatching
0: the early seasons of iCarly, and there's a lot of like subtext. I mean, there's subtext anyway with the weird Dan Schneider feet shit. And every time we see that happen while we're rewatching the iCarly now, it's just like, chat gets quiet and we're like, mm, that's a thing. I don't like watching people text with their toes. I don't know about you. That's not what I'm into. But like, Spencer fucks. Like a lot. He gets mad pussy on the show.
1: Yeah, Nathan Kress is like a self-proclaimed Christian missionary no! that has gone to Lithuania. Yeah.
0: You mean like and, that uh, thing from Italia? i hate you i'm sorry his
1: His wikipedia says kress and his family traveled to lithuania with the christian missionary organization ywam or youth with a mission where he has given money to help people build houses for the poor
0: okay wait but is he just like an actual missionary or is he like homophobic i don't know if he's homophobic
1: i have not heard anything positive about his uh is Extreme he like Chris religion, Pratt, though, though, where
0: his religion is, like, super homophobic, and he stands by them completely?
1: I don't know. I can't confirm his... or deny. Because, you I... know,
0: Chris Pratt's church is specifically tied into...
1: Oh, yeah, no, Chris Pratt's a piece of shit. Okay, cool. Um, I'm glad we're on the but same page. Nathan Kress does have two children, and was married in, like, 2015, when he was pretty young. So, that's not to indicate yeah, anything, and... but it's just, like, he's... He's definitely a um, Hold on. Christian family man. Let me just go look at who he's following on Twitter. Oh, no. Go look at his likes. He also looks like a he cosplay- young... He's, he he, ha-
0: he He follows 89 accounts. Please note. And one of them is a plus-sized titty model. Like, titty cosplayer. He follows Gabby <laughs> New. Bro, those are titties! Nathan Chris. <laughs> I mean, he is an adult man.
1: Let's give him that. Good for but... him.
0: No, he no, also I, brands appreciate titties. As, like, I appreciate himself as, like a married titties.
1: family man. So <laughs> I don't know. Married family men can appreciate titties. It's fine.
0: He also can go- you Okay, can wait. Quote he me might be that. pretty cool. He might be pretty cool. He follows a bunch of like trans creators. Um, maybe he's like He follows the people, people who made Yeah, maybe he's grown with it. Um cuz he follows like the creator of um Castlevania and They're very pro like trans rights. Um and everything. I'm not spotting any like republicans on this follow feed, is all I'm saying. All right, oh, that's he good. does follow. He wait, he follows Shea Carl. Hold on, back up. Who is that? He follows someone who draws only KDA art. I know this person. And they're followed by Nathan C-
1: I don't like I don't like this rabbit hole that we've gone down, I'm going to be honest.
0: This person Writes "Devil May Cry" incest fan fiction. I ah! had to unblock them. I had to open the unblock. No! Oh my god! Nathan Crest follows a Spartacus shipper in my year twenty. This is the worst thing I could have found. He could have been a white repu- like a white supremacist and that would have been fine. But this, <laughs> I know this person. Oh my god! What, the <laughs> oh my god. what a
1: th- what a thrilling sequel to my last volumes episode.
0: Right now, we're insane because I don't, I can't cope. It doesn't matter how. Wait, okay, wait, hold on. That might have been. Okay, wait. Let me refresh.
1: <sighs> um, we're forty minutes in, <laughs> and we have only mentioned the name Studio Ghibli.
0: I know. I'm sorry. I got distracted by Gibby. I'm not finding any fucking Republicans though.
1: Alright, well, he's into Devil May Cry incest fanfiction, I guess.
0: Watch them, like, he has, like, his lawyers actively searching for anywhere his name comes up, and the minute anything happens, he's gonna be like, "Mm, gotta go and follow that shit right now.
1: It just blows my mind that he has two children and a wife, and he still looks like he's, like, 15.
0: (laughs) I I just don't get it, but, like, good for him, low-key
1: he's also he looks like a young combination of Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki when he has his beard like look at a photo of him and tell me I'm
0: wrong (laughs) the face she just made you're not okay so anyways (laughs) that's depressing I'm gonna have fun editing that They're going to go look and he's like, they're not there on the following list and I'm going to get called a liar. But I'm like, you saw it. You, you saw me show you my phone. Like,
1: you, you did, in fact, show me the big titty lady, so.
0: Unless he goes and unfollows because he's a coward and his lawyers are actively searching for people as they actively speak. They're looking at us through the webcam. This is what the FBI does. They're like, oh no, people know the secret. It's like Ted Cruz and the porn thing all over again. Oh my God. This <laughs>
1: specific like mother son porn.
0: What? It is likes on Twitter. Why are you looking at porn on Twitter, Senator Cruz? What's up? Well, the
1: reality of it is it was probably an intern or whatever like PR um, or social media manager. So it probably like wasn't even. I totally, like, want to believe that it was him, but he the reality is it was probably warm. somebody else. And then, <laughs> fucking, he gets all the flack for it, and everyone's like, we believe it. It was
0: totally you. <laughs> <laughs> well, ALC runs her own social media.
1: Yeah, but I think that's by choice.
0: So why can't he choose not, like, wh- how do we know if he chose to or not? That's true. He probably he does run it, it by if himself. If he says it was an intern, if he says it was an intern, guess what, bitch? Liar. <laughs> liar. Oh my we could just call him a liar. Who's to prove it? What's he gonna oh, do? man. Anyways, um, we're forty two like minutes in. S- s- I do. Ninja I like your Brian titty shirt. shirt. Yeah. Is that actually what it is?
1: <laughs> well, I bought it because it looks like Ninja Brian's shirt, but um, I, I got like it, it off of a uh, website online, and it's like a super crop. It re- ends right under
0: my tits. Oh my god. Me too. Look right here. This like... is my boob. <laughs> this is my boob. <laughs> I'm not actually showing my tit. I'm just showing my under I'm so sorry for my volumes this episode. <laughs> it's totally They're not fine. completely right, out of control. Um, but Let's do a yes. show.
1: <laughs> so... Alright, that detour. We're doing Ghibli. Ghibli.
0: Ghibli. Shit. Not Gibby. Ghibli. Ghibli. Noah Monk is not welcome on this podcast.
1: <laughs> no, never. So... God. Um, go. This topic actually came as a recommendation from a friend of ours who is a mod in the late night server from Levi, sweet little precious Levi, where he had mentioned um, like a Ghibli review, I think either in the server itself or on his Instagram. Like, well, I'm taking that and running with it. So credit to Levi (laughs) for this topic and for giving us excuses to watch very wonderful movies that made us both cry a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not to quote myself, but Hal can get it still. I don't care who his voice is. Don't tell me again. I don't need to know. I can live in quiet ignorance. We don't need to talk about the conversation. The literal Parker is typing. Oh, literally, oh. she she messages me on Discord and says or was it in Discord or
1: was it like it was, on Discord? was it or but was it in DMs or was it in the it server? In DMs. I, okay, good. Because she just says, like, Hal's VA can get it. Hal's VA can call me and we can fuck, or something along those lines. And I'm like, you wanna fuck Christian Bale? Are you kidding me? And in real time, she just, oh, period. <laughs> like-
0: <laughs> I didn't know! He's got but a sexy was-
1: voice. It's fine, I guess.
0: I don't like him, but my dad pointed out, like, because re- I was in his house watching him this weekend, and that's when he kind of came in. And he's like, I... I feel like I never got the appeal of, like, Studio Ghibli movies. I'm like, why? Like, why? To which he said, like, he didn't feel like there was anything to the story, like, itself. Which was, you know, that's just a different approach. Because some people prefer faster-paced media, which is fine. That's whatever. But he's like, it's really, really uncanny valley that they don't hire voice actors. They hire actual actors for the dub. And then the voices sound kind of weird because they're not meant they're not very expressive because they don't know how to because, you know, like actual actors are more used to movement, kind of like how I'm using my hands to talk right now. They're used to expressions. They don't know how to convey that with only their voice because they're not used to just a strictly audio medium. And so you'll get like voice actors like Christian Bale. I mean, he did great as hell because he's been pretty familiar with the audio medium but like you'll get into some of the movies where the dubs are really off for no reason and it's just like this is a little weird but like that was why he doesn't like them personally and I completely agree with that in a way um and I'm just only going into this topic because of you know us talking about Christian Bale and the fact that he voices Hal which is whatever god god rage but that was just like one thing that actually was really interesting to me is because it's like yeah why don't they hire voice actors for this project? Like,
1: well, the big reason is because Disney now owns the U.S. distribution rights, uh, for Studio Ghibli movies, and um, they pretty much only mm-hmm. use uh, actors that are either like really big name or actors that have worked on Disney projects. Because, like, I didn't know this until I rewatched My Neighbor Totoro in preparation for this episode. That Dakota Fanning and her sister Elle Fanning. Are the two girls in the English cast for um, My Neighbor Totoro? They're the two sisters. In that movie, came out in nineteen eighty eight, but they did the English dub in two thousand five. So, like, Hold on. like that's yes. specifically the Disney dub. And um, in The Cat Returns, I believe that the main female character is Anne Hathaway. Um, there's a lot of other, like Noah Cyrus is the voice of Ponyo. There's, there's a lot we... of.
0: I knew about that one. That one makes sense yeah. to you. Also, why did I only know Elle Fanning from, like, Twilight? <laughs> I that's embarrassing. No, Dakota Fanning is in Twilight. But That's what I meant. Elle- that's what I meant. Sorry, not Elle Fanning. Yeah. I'm just looking at both their faces right now. That's what threw me off. Yeah. Why do I only know her from that?
1: I know her from that, and then she was in this horror movie with Robert De Niro as a kid called Hide and Seek, and, like, those are the only two things I know I her from. I did not watch
0: that movie. It, I did not, It's not good. I guess she's now in My Neighbor Totoro, but whatever. I think she's also in that Quentin barambino movie that I don't f- I actually liked that one cuz it's about Manson murders, but whatever. Um which one? Uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's about the Manson murders? Yeah. Oh. You wow. didn't watch it cuz you don't watch Tarantino movies, huh?
1: I don't I don't I don't want to have a foot fetish fest whenever I watch a movie, so I don't yeah, watch Tarantino movies. feet in
0: that movie. <laughs> We're back to iCarly, it's a circle, we're back to... (laughs) I remember going on
1: Tumblr after that movie came out, and someone was like, here's my review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it was just a stock image of a bunch of feet in the air, like 20
0: different pairs of feet, like, oh my god. (laughs) Spoiler alert, it's about the Manson murders, because you're not supposed to know it's about the Manson murders, but... Because he goes to the thing and, like, he meets, like, Manson. And you're like, whoa, that's kind of funky, man. Because you think it's just about this dude in his movie. But it's not. Because, like, all three of them show up to try to kill him. And he fucking murders them instead. That's the whole plot. It's what if the Manson murders didn't happen and they got murdered instead. That's the plot.
1: (laughs) That's so stupid.
0: No, it was kind of funny, though. Like, the murders are funny. It's a good death. It's a funny death. But it's also not worth watching for the foot fetish. I'm just saying for the one time watching it, but she's in it. She, I think she's right. one of the girls that gets killed. Um, yeah, that's all I knew her from. And I didn't know she was in Totoro because I was like a child when I watched it the first time. And I haven't watched it again since I was 16. But I still like, you know, keep up with it, at least story wise, because I read the manga back when that was a manga. Um,
1: yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, got I that liked whole set. it. I also didn't know, and I'll be very excited to see your reaction if you don't know this, that the um, boy in The Secret World of Arietti, that's like the sick boy, mm-hmm. is voiced by David Henrys, who oh, yeah. is the older brother on yeah. Wizards
0: of Waverly. Plains. I knew that one because I saw that one in theaters with my mom.
1: Um, I didn't know that, and I was watching it with a friend, and I was like, "Why does his voice sound so familiar, but also like uncomfortably sultry for no reason?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, that's the brother." I'm like, "What the
0: fuck?" Yeah, (laughs) first of all, his name's Justin, um, (laughs) as in the show, and then in Arietti, he's show specifically. Yeah, I don't know. He had some weird subtext. His voice in the dubs is weirdly uncomfortable. It's like, are you trying to fuck this little finger-like size girl? What's up, brother? What yeah, are it was you doing? Why are very you talking uncomfortable. like that? Also, his like, name I get is you're Sean. you're dying and all, but why? So. No, it's Sho in the actual. It's Sean in, in the I know. In the English
1: dub, it's Sean, because Ghibli thinks we can't understand Japanese names.
0: I don't know what like Sho po- means. Like,
1: Pokemon. Look at this jelly donut. It's clearly Onigiri. <laughs>
0: you can just call it a rice ball like why they dub it that way i don't know anyways i don't fucking know we're not here anyways pokemon we already did that we've already done that. yeah man um
1: geez let's so start movie
0: off movie just... ma'am i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm sorry continue your thing movie wise what let's just start from kind of the top what is your personal favorite uh
1: ghibli movie my personal favorite is definitely Howl's Moving Castle and I think Princess Mononoke is a very close second. Um I I kind of fall in the weird mix of like i either absolutely love a ghibli movie or i see it once and i don't really have a desire to see it again because and whooper nailed it because we watched princess mononoke together last night and he had never seen it and he's not a fan of ghibli movies Mm -hmm. and he said um that mononoke was his favorite that he's seen so far but he would still only give it like four stars like four out of five stars um Mm -hmm. compared to to other films it was definitely not his favorite animated film But I was impressed that he liked it so much, and his thing is he doesn't like winding stories, and I love winding stories, and he doesn't like things that are very domestic um, as, like, a focus, which, of course, is the heart of, like, Miyazaki films specifically. So I'm like, oh, I really like it, and he said that every Ghibli movie that he's seen has just been melancholy. Like That's the one core thing that unites all of them to him, is that they're so melancholy. And that did not click to me. Like After he said that, I was like, oh shit, I guess you're right. (laughs) That's why I cry at all of these. They're very melancholy.
0: All of them make you cry. And it's like, yes, it's that domestic kind of... We talked about this as I was actively watching Howl's Moving Castle, because it's like they don't show... I'm just going to specifically stick on Howl's just for a second, because that's the freshest in my mind, and it's the easiest to talk to. Um, But like, throughout, they don't have a romantic relationship until, like, the very, very end. But as you're watching it, you feel this just sense of warmth every time he looks at her. And this is just small details from, like, the way that his eyes shine, or the way he slightly smiles, or the way he stands, or the way she reacts when she sees him. It's, like, these small, tiny details. Like, when their hair puffs up in Ponyo when they see each other. It's these small senses of love that just creates this kind of like internal yearning. Like you don't even know what you're yearning for. I'm in a loving relationship and I'm so head over heels in love with my partner that I've never doubted it for a moment that I love him. And, but when I watch these films, it's like, I yearn for this kind of love that can't be like, it's almost, it's cathartic um, to watch them because it's like, I could be so in love, but I'll never have this sense of domestic, like, yearning for another person and that's not to say that like I'm not in love with my partner blah 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 or anything like that or I've never been in love like that but it's like this fabrication of a level of a deeper love that we as just normal people do not have and that's just one thing that was interesting to me because it's a use of a medium that it creates, it's kind of rare that you'll find media that itself can create this whole new emotion. And it's not even just the romantic love. I mean, of course, in Hal's Moving Castle, it is, but you also see the same kind of love between Hal and, I, why well, I can't I think of his name right now? Because I'm super out of it. Calcifer? Yes, thank you. The, I don't know why the fire I am yeah. yeah, they have this sense of love. I mean, Calcifer, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Hal's Moving Castle, Calcifer is his heart, so... Obviously, there's that sense of love between the two as, like, you are me and I am you. But they're also just buddies. Like, there's this strong platonic love. And they love to tease each other. And that's their whole, like, dynamic is that they just tease each other because they, they need one another to survive. And it's just pleasant. And it's, like, it's not even just a romantic love. But it's the slow, smooth movements in the winding story that make them so interesting because it's, like... I want to feel this in my everyday life because it's like, these people don't have jobs or if they do, they're not like a routine that's so boring and drab to them. It's like, this is what they love their jobs that the jobs that we do see in most of the shows. I like in houseman castle, she's working every day at her hat shop because it's what she loves to do. It's her passion. We don't see like bland, boring jobs in movies like that because it's a disconnect from our normal life. And they, that's why they're always so balanced between whimsical and real like you'll never find one where it's completely whimsical or it's completely not because even in like princess mononoke where it's super whimsical because you have all of these gods and these deities and these spirits but then we're also in a feudal japan like a realistic war era japan and, and there's so, so it's much like blood in that movie that i forgot
1: about like it's so a very much violent in movie but it's still very mystical of like, well, you have to respect the fact that life and death exist and are more than mere concepts. Exactly. And there are cultures that believe in deities and there are cultures that don't and don't care if they're real or not. And like, I, it's there's so much like contingency on respect for yourself and for you know, the environment around you in uh, Miyazaki mm-hmm. films specifically, but in a lot of uh, Ghibli films. They're like, I'm never gonna settle on one pronunciation. I'm just gonna go back and forth. Sorry, yeah, listeners, deal with it. <laughs> Absolutely. But like, that's also something that falls into that sort of like love because you have a-, a love for your environment, or a love for your home, or a love for your friends around you and your neighbors, and that's palpable in all of these films. But it's never exactly the same. Like the love that's experienced in Mononoke, especially yeah, the scene, it can be a major whenever theme, but... she says. Yeah, but like the scene in Mononoke whenever she takes Ashitaka's uh sword and holds it to his throat and says maybe I'll cut your throat, maybe that'll shut you up and his response is you're beautiful. I'm like
0: Ugh. I yearn <laughs> I for love you. It so I want so cuz
1: it's little things like that. Like you oh. <laughs> I want a I want a feral girl to hold a knife to my throat and sexual <laughs> and, know. Say she'll and cut it's just me. like
0: <laughs> But you know what I mean, right? It's like you and I are completely in love oh, head over heels with our partners. But when we watch these movies, and have you noticed, a lot of the time it's guys who don't like them. Like you'll never really find a like a either a queer woman or anyone who's really queer, or just you'll never find anyone who's LGBT or a woman who will not like usually like a Ghibli movie, like, even if they sit down and they're not their thing normally, like, if your animation's not your thing, you can still have some sort of respect and emotion that comes from these movies. Like, either Ponyo will make you cry, or Spirited Away will make... All of them will make you cry. They'll all make you cry. But it's just, like, this... It's... Yes, I love the use of melancholy to describe them, but, like, when, when you're watching them, it's this. Mm, it's, like, you're not even crying because you're sad, you know? But it's, like the emotions that these movies can bring forward from you are so cathartic that you can't help it but, like, but cry. Even on the happier ones where it's, like, on The Secret World of Arrietty, like, they obviously they separate, but we thought he was going to die at the beginning of the movie because of his procedure, but then you hear him kind of older and talking more about, like, the rumors of the neighbors and stuff. That would have happened after his procedure. So it's like, when you're crying at the end of that, you're not crying because he died, because he didn't. You're crying because he's alive, and he's moving forward, and they're hearing rumors of, like, things being missing in other people's houses, like, small things, and it's, like, this sense of kind of pride and this warmth of, like, everything's okay. It's like a deep breath that you finally needed from, like, your day-to-day life, because they're meant to just be... It's like escapism, almost, if you were to make it into tiny movies every, like, year or so, and it's really just... Pleasant. And I don't know, I don't know why people put too much like of a pressure on these movies, because obviously they're critically acclaimed. They're high rated movies. People love these. These are classics. But you'll find these people behind them who just fucking hate them. But also, which is fine. You don't have to love these movies. But it's good to understand why they're different before you just say I hate it. Because sometimes, you know, you don't want to yuck someone's yum. There's a reason people like these movies, and then there's a reason people don't. And, like, if you're like my dad, you don't- or if you're like Whoop or my dad, both of them, they're too slow-paced, or they're more focused on, like, why Hal's hands look like this, or why his room was a mess, things like that. That was a fucking key detail, is why Hal's room is so messy. There's- there's no action there. It's slow-paced, is, like, they go and clean it up. That's a whole, like, ten-minute scene is her cleaning- it cleaning all of it, and- Guys don't really care about that. And I'm not, like, trying to generalize, like, all guys, because obviously these movies affect people differently with their own experiences. But when you get these people who prefer, like, fast-paced storytelling, they're not going to stop to slow down, which is what Ghibli movies are meant to do. You're meant to slow down, take a breath, and just exists in this world that's being built that's why there's the use of like magic and mystical things and real like real life there is always a balance of the two because it's like it's an escape and it's meant to make you cry and it's meant to make you feel these emotions and this deeper level of understanding for taking more time in your life like every time I watch one I'm more relieved you know like I can sit down and I'll feel happy doing my dishes or I'll be able to kind of relax and like let everything around me just move because i don't need to do anything it's like it's just it's pleasant and people who don't like that feeling should at least give them another try when they do know what they're supposed to be experiencing rather than like expecting everything to kind of be handed to you in terms of plot more of like this isn't meant to be extremely driven. Obviously there's stuff happening quickly because, you know, you only have like an hour and 30 minutes of time because this is a movie, but slowing down and taking more time to look at the finer detail of what you're watching and why it kind of builds upon it. Like a tiny ass Lego house that's happening right in front of our eyes, if that makes sense.
1: Sorry, I ranted for so long. No, you're totally fine. And I think that Like, for me, I really like these movies, most specifically Miyazaki films, because I have struggled with depression and anxiety for my entire life. And, like, doing little domestic menial tasks, like washing the dishes or even just, like, cutting up a few slices of cheese Mm -hmm. to make lunch for, like, a sandwich or whatever. They feel so heavy and, like, such big things to do to me. And... My entire life, I just wouldn't – I would go, like, two days without eating because I didn't have the energy to do it. And whenever I finally started watching um, Ghibli movies more, like, consistently – because I, of course, watched a few when I was really young, and I liked the mysticism of it but didn't get the whole thing. And as I got older, it all started to make more sense and, like, sit more comfortably in my mind and, like, more softly – In my heart after watching it, because then I thought, like, here's this artist who's arguably one of the most technically skilled artists in the world at the moment, who's taking the time out of his day to hand animate a woman cracking an egg. Like, what's more menial than that? (laughs) And that kind of mindset and especially being an artist myself is what calms me in those moments and like reminds me hey life doesn't have to be super beautiful and amazing at every single moment you can still appreciate the little tiny moments and not feel like everything's crashing constantly and that's not like a super awesome message to think about constantly because you don't want to romanticize those kinds of feelings of oh life sucks but at least I can fry an egg for myself but you You do need some kind of level of motivation. And I think that Miyazaki films definitely push that kind of motivation of like just try to see the beauty in the little things and try to keep moving forward. And I think that that has contributed a lot to me like coming out of my shell and being a little bit more comfortable with myself. And I've seen people online have the exact same opinion. Like, oh, I struggle with so much anxiety, but these movies calm me down so much. I feel like I can actually get things done. Or I feel like I can actually appreciate what I can do, like my art or my music or whatever. And I think that it relates so personally that if you don't have a personal connection to a Ghibli movie, it's hard to appreciate it as a film. And I don't think that's the case for everybody, but the case for the majority of viewers of these movies.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like you and I are both in agreement of, like, if you didn't love these movies, it's not exactly the fault of the movie because you can obviously you don't have to fucking like everything I want to make sure we're hitting home that we're not telling you that you have shit taste if you don't like a Ghibli movie because it's fine but it's more of understanding why you don't and if you can't find that personal connection because some people can't then that's a thing and it's fine but it's also important to realize why these are favorites and you shouldn't just bag on them because it's not your favorite because these are I'm of the opinion that like, even though something can be considered stupid to other people, it's fine to have importance in it. Like when Castlevania ended, I was an emotional wreck, not even for the finale alone, because I'm not going to spoil that or anything, but just having it come to an end as a series was heartbreaking to me and not because of like, it's over and I can't watch it anymore. But like I started that series, what that was, we're on, yeah, it was about five, six years ago that it started now because we've had it pretty consistently. No, it was, like, five years ago. Holy shit. Maybe. Three or four.
1: No. Four. This season one came out in 2018. Yeah, I'm sorry.
0: They cracked them out so fast, I don't even remember what time is anymore. It was three years ago. I'm sorry. I forgot that season one was, like, half of a season, and then they dropped season two, like, back to back. I figured, because, you know, four yeah. seasons. I thought we had more time there. That's on me. My bad. I'm glad we corrected that, though, now, instead of, like, a <laughs> month later when people finally hear this. God, I can't ever go back from those. But- 2018 was a really bad time in my life because that's when my lungs started collapsing again. And that's when I had to drop out of college and I was staying up all night because I couldn't sleep because I was so anxious. That was when I was working at the hospital. And when Castlevania season one and two dropped, I watched all of it so quickly with Ryan specifically. Like it was us in a Discord call together and we banged through the whole thing. And I was not having a good time. I was adjusting to new meds. I was stressed. I was scared. And it was a comfort to watch it with him specifically. Um, not to mush on my best friend, but it was such a personal thing. And so when we caught up, we watched season three together and we watched every season together except for this last one because I ran it ahead of everyone because I thought you guys were going to watch it without me. But when it ended, we it... were all waiting to watch it with you. And then you. Just... I said I had to go to my dad's <laughs> weekend. I'm sorry. Did you ever finish watching it? No. Okay, we we'll go back. We'll, back, we'll, up go back. Since we we'll go it back so we watch together. We'll go back. <laughs> I'm sorry. So it's a good thing I didn't spoil it. But when it ended, I felt like heartbroken because it kind of felt like I was losing this thing that me and Ryan got to do together because we weren't going to be able to just I mean we could watch another show, but Castlevania as a series is like kind of If you grew up with any sort of, like, PlayStation in general, or if you're like me and you played on Xbox 360 on a retro game mode because Xbox had that, Castlevania is a nostalgic-ass series, and for me and Ryan specifically, especially because, you know, we care it, we care it dearly, and we got to do it together when I was at a hard point in my life, it was rough, and it's like, Castlevania itself is an emotional-ass show, and all of the emotions in it and the character development and how they interact with each other is real. It's raw, which is why it's like also a good thing to bring up while we're talking about Ghibli movies, because it's like, one of them is Eastern animation versus Western animation, but they both manage to create this kind of relationship between characters and your own feelings, and they make it work really, really well. And... When Castlevania ended, I didn't know what to do with myself. Like I was crying for like three hours. My entire face was puffy because it's like, I was just happy, I guess, to see it through because this was something that was so important to me. And it was like, it's like when you put down, you know, when you read a whole book series, like in a night, and then when you're done, you just don't know what to do with yourself. It was that oh, kind yeah, of feeling. Sure. And I think that was one of the reasons why I cried so hard is because I haven't had that feeling since I was a teenager, like when I was actively reading. Because, you know, high school just kills your wanting to read anyways. So I haven't had that feeling in so long. But that when I finally got to watch this chapter close on Castlevania, it was like a breath of air. And that's, you know, how Ghibli movies make you feel. So it's like our, most of our new like media that's coming out is kind of balancing both. It's like they understood that most people are going to be driven by fast-paced stories or they're going to want to take these moments to slow down. And there is a way to balance them, and Castlevania did it perfectly, in my opinion, because you had these intimate moments between like Trevor and Sypha where they can breathe. And I'm specifically talking about the season before the finale because I don't want to spoil the finale for you. But you see them get to be... Like a real couple, you know, when they're traveling. You get to see the way they talk. and You get to see the way Alucard bonds with his loneliness. And it's so reminiscent to, like, in a Ghibli movie where they're doing the dishes by themselves, you know, and they look up and everything's quiet because there's no one else there. I mean, Alucard is a little bit more um, foul-mouthed and angry, but it's like, at the same time, you get to see why these characters are so real and why they have... yeah. I just like deeper writing and emotional writing, and that's kind of probably not, like, the most unpopular opinion, but there's tons of people who don't care, you know? They're like, as long as I get my plot, I don't care about the characters. Like, what the fuck? How? I, yeah, I would say that Whoop kind of falls in
1: that camp to an extent. Like, def- he definitely mm-hmm. still cares about characters, but to an extent, he values the plot a little more, and I am in the process of reading House Moving Castle, the novel, and I'm totally shocked by how different it is from the film but also how much i still love the the novel itself Mm -hmm. as like a separate entity because when you said earlier that like you see the love that sophie has whenever she works in her hat shop i had to bite back a laugh because in the book she fucking hates it it's the stupidest thing to her she constantly refers to it as her her lot in life and her fate because in the culture and the novel um the eldest child like the first page of the book talks about the fate of the eldest child and that is to stay within the, the job or the career that your family has. And her family are hatters. So she has to stay as a hatter and carry it on. But she has two younger sisters who she envies constantly because they're beautiful and she's very plain. And they, like, one goes to work in a bakery, and I think one works as, like, a seamstress or something. And they keep getting all these gentleman suitors that are just proposing to them at 6 a.m. while they're getting the dough ready. And, like, it's... Yeah. It's very real, but it also still has that level of, like, almost melancholy bitterness that translates briefly into the film, but is not by any mm-hmm. means carried through the whole thing. Yeah, you it's...
0: see that envy. Sorry, you cut out a little yeah. bit, so I didn't I think to talk like... over you. Oh, no,
1: sorry. My nose is, like, itching horribly. <laughs> I think it's really dusty in this closet that we're recording oh in, because I can't stop dust.
0: This, like... But, um... <laughs> in the movie like you don't so you see that feeling when she goes to visit her sister is that like she envies her but it's like not about her job it's strictly about how she's beautiful because they're like we're we don't got time to complain about her job we don't got time for that shit just skip ahead we only have so much time in the book just skip the fuck ahead and it's just like they did fine addressing it though because if they if you didn't tell me that i honestly wouldn't have known But, like, at the same time, you kind of see it when her mom comes to visit her and she's, like, talking about the shop. She doesn't even notice the difference between the shop because her mom doesn't really care, you know? It's like she's the only one that is putting anything into this anymore. And you kind of see that, like, hatred for it. Almost, yeah, that bittersweet feeling, like, that rage that she has that it's just, like you stuck me with this and now you don't even fucking realize you're in a different building like upstairs isn't the same upstairs babe there's a hot man in there (laughs) oh my god it's it's i mean you're
1: right and in in the novel itself like howl is totally different Mm -hmm. um she constantly says like are you like are you off to eat a young girl's heart because that's like the rumor. I know they mention it once yeah. or twice in the movie, but that's like the one thing she'll say to Howl constantly. And um, his apprentice, Michael, is much older. He's like 16 or something in the book. And Calcifer is totally different. And Calcifer like fucking hates Howl. And Hal hates Calcifer. But they kind of like tolerate each other. And then I think as the book goes on, they get closer because of Sophie. Like all of them get closer because of Sophie, which you definitely see in the film but it's really interesting to compare the two. And the specific scene that you mentioned with um, Howell's bedroom, there's a a scene when he's laying in bed and he's talking to Sophie, and it's just a total fucking animator flex that it pans out, and it's just, just nothing but knickknacks. Yeah, they like, look at all, all these- the
0: small details we drew. Let's
1: go! <laughs> and there's, like, spinning pinwheels and, like, um, I don't know the name for them, but they're these, like, candle operated little fans almost that have like wood carvings on them i don't know what they're called but there's all these like little just tchotchkes everywhere and in that scene Whooper hates that scene and i love that scene because of the art and because of how like domestic but still opulent it is and he's like no i fucking hate this scene because nothing's happening plot wise like i'm watching this stupid pinwheel spin and it's great and it looks beautiful but like they're not talking about anything they're just talking, period. And there's no plot that's happening. There's nothing that's like furthering their relationship. They're just talking for a few minutes in this beautiful room. All
2: right, we, gotta, we gotta talk about that. Oh, no, we're no. in here. Hey, that's yo, not not what I got the guest. Get in here. Get in here. That's not what I said about get in that. here. Not the guest to star. come over
1: here. No, not I'm coming over here because
2: that's not what I said about that even. Well, guys, what I, I'm i not getting... From, I'm just, yeah. It's not recording. You're not recording. It's
1: not recording video. It's just, it's just so me. So what I'm
2: saying is that it's important... You don't important, have to yell. Or, 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 Let do yell. You can't come over here. I, I don't know what you want. I just
1: get in <laughs> too close to the mic. There you go.
2: The thing is, it's not what I said You're about that. You're making anxious. It's fucking... I don't like that scene because the focus is on the background, not on the story. They're having an important conversation. It's not that I'm mad that, like... They're not marching on the castle or whatever. Like, I'm fine with people talking in a room. I just, I'm mad because everyone's just like, look at the fucking pinwheel. And it's like, that's not, but the movie, the movie's not, the movie's not called Howl's Cool Pinwheel. (laughs) It's the movie's (laughs) called Howl's Castle and he's in it. Like, I don't know, man. That's the name of the episode. They're they're talking about his weird wizard curse. He's like, yeah, I'm going to turn into a bird if I cast Fireball again. Only got so many spell slots. And then she's like, "Uh huh, yeah, I totally get that." And then everybody else looked at Pinwheel like, "That's why I'm mad about it." That's wanted to correct that. <laughs>
0: okay, okay no, wait, Whoop you. is right though. <laughs> hey, Whoop is right because there are too many scenes.
2: <laughs> wait, do you want anything while I'm in here? What? Did you want anything like a water or something? <laughs> yeah, will you
1: get me a water?
2: Yeah, just like a big glass or like a small
1: one. Like a like a um, like a Joe's cup. With some ice in it.
2: Yeah, you got it, dude. How okay. much ice? Right, three, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, dude. Thanks, I love you. Yeah, does Parks want anything?
0: No, <laughs> you can't get Parks
1: anything. Okay.
0: Okay, bye. <laughs> leave that in. Do not cut any of that out, even for Patreon. Like, leave that in the full ep, <laughs> and make sure you name okay. house <laughs> well, right, it Hal's Fucking Pinwheel. Well, he's right there in Hell's house and he's in it. House. <laughs> oh house, house and he's in it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's what he said he said no he said it's it's Hal's castle and he's in it that's what he said it's the name of the movie <laughs>
0: oh my god <laughs> we're both dying my face hurts from laughing I wanna like get back on top like back on but he's right. Every scene that we have, Hal's bedroom, like even in that dream sequence, there's like a two second mark where we stare at that fucking pinwheel. It's like, you don't need to keep showing. <laughs> you me. These movies are art. I love everything about them. Every scene is so well thought out. Hal's moving castle. Let me show you a pinwheel seven times.
1: <laughs> Let me show you pinwheel.
0: That's also kind of how it is in Spirited
1: Away. They're like, look at this bathhouse token. I'm so sick look of at looking all these at bathhouse the tokens. tokens. I love them. <laughs> I'm a slut for
0: Spirited Away. Me too. Um, but that's for More horny More on topic, reasons. though,
1: for you with, like, how Castlevania was really important to you. Yeah, I'm going to jump away from you saying horny straight into, a, like, a serious topic. I know. For me, Spirited Away is the very first Ghibli film that I ever watched. Um, and I watched it when I was very young. It came out in 2001. Mm-hmm. And I was born in 97. So I think I watched it for the first time in, like, 2003. So I was, like, five. And um, no, I would have been six. And um, I remember like hating it and being really scared of it for the first part. And then whenever she finally like adjusted into it, I started to really like it. And I never understood the ending as a kid. And I've rewatched it countless times now. And I really think that I relate to it because like my parents are much older, as I mentioned earlier in the show. My parents (laughs) are in their 60s and I'm 23. My oldest sibling is in his mid-30s. My uh, other sibling, she's she turns 30 this year. So we're all at, like, all five of us are at completely different stages in our life. And there's very little room for relating. And so I feel like, to an extent, we've never truly felt like a whole-ass family. We've just kind of felt like relatives, collectively. And I think that Spirited Away captures that feeling really well. Because you don't get a good, like, read on her parents, on Chihiro's parents. You don't truly understand, like, their relationship. All you see is it's a child and she's lost. And the only people she knows are her parents. And she wants them back, obviously. But there's never, like, I love you, I miss you because you're my parents. It's like, don't leave me alone. Like, that's the thing. And I really like that kind of essence in a Ghibli film. Because it tells you point blank, like, yeah, this shit's sad. And also children have these experiences. I think that's why I love them so much is like we have these very romantic stories and like Mononoke and House Moving Castle that there's always a greater cause. But there is also this love. But I really like the movies that focus on the kids like Ponyo and Spirited Away and My Neighbor Totoro and even The Secret World of Ariety to an extent, even though they're more teenagers, because you don't see a lot of movies where it's the kids that are having the most complex feelings in the whole thing. You you don't really focus on it when they're like really young. Like one of the main characters in Totoro is four. You don't see that a lot in Western media. And I think it gives a lot of credence to those kinds of feelings and a lot of understanding to adults like me that grew up in this weird, like not quite lonely but very alone because you're not next to someone who's in the same experiences. You're not able to relate as closely. And you're like, I couldn't even relate to all my friends because my parents were 20 years older than their parents. Water, Thanks, babe. Yeah, no
0: problem, <laughs> he comes through we came back. for
1: you. He came back with my water. And um, that's probably like one of the reasons why i get very defensive about uh ghibli movies and why i think it's easier like you said for queer individuals and women in particular or like kids who grew up with trauma or have faced a lot of problems because that shows like your struggle in a really cool and metaphoric way and you're able to relate to it much better there's always this level of yearning and love that you can experience in a ghibli film in a ghibli film but I really like the parts that say, "All right, did you want to be sad? We're gonna tear your fucking heart open for two hours." There you go.
0: <laughs> Yay, emotions, mostly sad ones. <laughs> Hold on, let me oh send you God. this exact meme that describes exactly what we're talking about. I know we've already sent. I already sent this to you the other night, I think. But it's accurate. Yeah, I'm now.
1: minimum <laughs> brain cells, maximum sad. <laughs> it's very true.
0: <laughs> yeah. It is, and that's exactly how they make you feel, because you just feel like, I don't want to say, like, dumb, because you don't feel dumb watching them, you feel like, kind of like, it's like self-gratification watching them, but you just feel like, you don't need to focus on, like, the bigger picture, you can just kind of live in the moment while you're watching them, and that sense of isolation when you're watching a movie is already so great, because it gives you time to connect, you know, it's like... Normally when I watch shows, because I have this, because I, you know, I have ADHD and I'm autistic, um, and I have this sense of, like, I can't focus unless I have seven other things going on around me. When I'm playing a league game, I have Spotify open, I have my friends on call, so like six people, um, usually even though it's five, we always have stragglers, but there's conversations happening while I'm playing League, while I'm listening to music. And then I'll say, fuck it. And I'll throw on TikTok on my phone. Like I have to have things happening around me. And when I watch it, like a Ghibli movie, it's just like, okay, I can be with like my phone having a conversation here and I can watch the movie. I don't need like to be looking at TikToks while I'm watching this. I can just kind of have my tiny conversation, because, you know, you've seen me watch My Hero, and that's one of the other things I can focus on, because I have people talking with me. Like, as long as I have one other, like, outlet, essentially, kind of like when people, like, watch shows while they draw or while they sew, I'm the same way, but sometimes if I can't, like, be directly doing something with my hands, I get anxious, and that's why I do so much. But when I'm watching, like, a Ghibli movie, I can just text a friend and focus on the movie. I don't need all of that because it's like there's small aspects like the fucking pinwheel (laughs) where so much is (laughs) happening. We're always coming back to that fucking pinwheel. Um, But there's so much happening around the main scene that it's like my brain is getting all of the essence and extra attention that I didn't have before. Like when you see in House Moving Castle, all of the things flying overhead and all the people moving it's like, okay, there is enough happening on screen that's not even a part of the core story, but there's enough here to kind of feel that need for extra things to look at, essentially, if that makes sense. If I said anything that made sense right there at all. No, that that does make total sense,
1: because I'm the same way. Like, if I'm drawing, I'll throw on, like, a YouTube video or a podcast or even just music, and then I'll, like, hop and call with friends, and I'll have all this going on. And when I'm watching... Like, even when I'm working, when I'm working from home, I'll have, like, game grumps going in the background Mm -hmm. just so there's something that I'm not even actively watching. I'm just listening to it so it's not dead fucking silent. But with Ghibli movies, I very much just slow down. And I think that it's a blessing and a curse because it forces you to really get into the emotions that are trying to be conveyed in the film Especially, I don't know if you've seen this one. I watched it um last summer with Wooper and it's called uh, The Wind Rises. Have you seen The Wind Rises?
0: I have not. I've heard of it, but I have not.
1: It's the saddest Ghibli movie I've ever seen, and I like don't want to watch it again because of how how much it made me cry. And I it's about a famous Japanese aviator. Um, and, like, it takes place shortly after the Wright brothers, like, got flight to be a thing. And um, it's a, a young Japanese scholar who, like, is going to college and trying to become a pilot and trying to develop uh, airplanes. And it's supposedly, like, sort of a, a biopic, just an animated one. But it gets very whimsical. Like, he... In his dreams, he talks to a very famous Italian aviator and they're like standing on biplanes. And they also talk about the uh, intricacies of developing, um, like developing planes and other aircraft for war purposes. And so there's this battle going back and forth of you want to further human advancement and you want to create something that means something. But Ultimately, whatever you create is going to go and hurt somebody else. And that's only like a piece of it, (laughs) because the real part of the story that makes me fucking sob is that he falls in love with this young woman um, whenever he's just passing through a town and her dad like owns the inn or something that he's staying at and they fall in love and he keeps coming back in the summers to see her and they finally run away together because her dad doesn't want her getting married because she's terminally ill and they just leave and they find a couple that will house them. I think it's like his boss or something at a new job being a, a designer for um, an aircraft. Like what's the word I'm mm-hmm. looking for? Like a warehouse basically, but it's specifically for aircraft and they perform their, the traditional Japanese wedding ceremony, like in his boss's house and they stay with them for a while as newlyweds. And it ends. Are you fine with me telling you how it ends? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Okay, if you if you want to watch The Wind Rises, skip ahead like 20 seconds. Um, it ends with the wife straight up leaving. And she had been like putting rouge on her cheeks to make her look more like alive and like vibrant and feeling better and lying to him when he come comes home from work and saying she's she's doing great and she's so excited to be there and she eventually just leaves a note and says i've moved to the mountains because the dry air will help i think she has like some it's supposedly like tuberculosis or something close to it but there's no way to recover from it and it leaves you on this note of he'll never see her again he'll never know if she's alive or dead and so it hangs on this like she's always alive in my heart kind of thing but with no closure of knowing where his fucking wife is and she's like the only person he's ever loved and he's only maybe like 32 whenever she leaves like
0: fuck that um, <laughs> but also like uh, have so you seen grave of the fireflies?
1: not yet <laughs> I know it's so sad I'm gonna watch it eventually
0: I can't even go into full detail on the plot, because just talking about it makes me cry. But it's the same thing of, like, nuclear war. And that was one of my first Ghibli movies, but I was too young to process it at the time. I just knew it made everyone around me sad. And then I watched it again. So one of my good friends, Rachel, was uh, doing, like, a... I think it was the anime best of like panels and we were talking about animes that make us cry because she was hosting the panel and I was there watching it this was about two three years ago I think um yeah and while I was there she started bringing up this movie like with her and the panelists and I was like wait a minute this is too familiar and then after that like a few days after I'm watching back like some of the panels because I record them for friends and I see it again I was like okay well I don't remember this movie, but I remember certain scenes of it. Time to go rewatch it. Worst fucking decision I've ever made. Terrible fucking decision. (laughs) God. Fucked me up. Big time. Because it's like, I'm an older sister, you know? So, when it comes to, like, siblings, like, I still have, like... Because back when we were poor, um, like, as my family, uh, I used to have to, like, tell my sister no for stuff. Like, she would say, like can we get this or can we do this? And I'd have to tell her no, because it was like something we couldn't afford. But doing it was like so hard because it's like, this is my kid's sister. And I'm telling her that like, no, we can't do a certain thing. And it's like, it's not as emotional as you would think, but for me, it was hard because it's like, I want her to have the best. Like I want her to have everything. And so it's like watching this movie. Do you know the plot um, by any means? I I don't.
1: Yeah, Essentially, I really don't know what it's these
0: two siblings that run off. This is going to be super cliff notes, because I'm not looking up the plugs. I'll cry. But these two siblings are running away from, like, the war. Um, it's a nuclear war. It's back in, I believe it's in World War II. Um, and they have to keep running, and they can't find food at all. And all of the rations they have, he's basically giving to his younger sister and lying about him eating. And so it's like... Super emotional because she's sick and he's giving everything he has to her. And the entire time, it's heartbreaking because you know he's lying and you know that she can't do anything. And it's just like, oh my God, like, I. It's hard because it's like, you know, as an older sibling, you can't relate because, I mean, you're the baby, but like, it's the sense of. If I was in the same position, I would have to do the same thing, and it's heartbreaking to think of, and it's heartbreaking to project onto, and I know full well, like, other older siblings who have seen this movie, this is the same reason that, like, Rachel brought it up, because she's an older sibling, is, like, there's so much love between, like, even, I mean, not the same case for everyone because people can just not be connected with their siblings and that's fine but in the situation of me and zoe being so fucking close by the way she's been mad at me she's like you haven't mentioned me a single episode yet what the fuck wait till this one comes out bitch but that fear of like not being able to give like my sister the person closest to me who's been there through everything i've lived through not being able to make sure she has everything that she has can get to go on scares me to death and so watching that movie fucked me up big time it ruined me like i'm about to cry now that's why i'm ranting like an idiot because oh my god okay. but it is extremely sad so don't watch it if you're in bad spirits beforehand and okay well, prepare to come out i, even I knew worse.
1: I knew that it was really sad, so I've kind of, like, put off watching it. I also didn't know that it was a Ghibli movie until recently. Um, it's but... because it was
0: before... Because that movie came out in 88, so it was before it was, like, Ghibli. It was when they were kind of, to- like... Totoro came out in
1: 88, so it was, like, right at the formation, yeah, formation well, of the... Uh,
0: so he yeah. was working on other stuff before he's like, fuck it, my studio now. So there's some that came out in that era that were not under, like, the Ghibli, like umbrella but they were made by but they're him, still yeah. miyazaki films yep. yeah
1: which i also think that's like an an elephant in the room that we should address because i have a lot of respect for the writing and artistic capabilities of miyazaki but miyazaki is like not a good person and no. i don't know if you yeah like i don't know listeners if you know much about him i don't know parks if you know much about him but like he's a horrible father he was a very absent father his son made his like very first film and invited Miyazaki to it to the the screening and Miyazaki walked out in like the first 15 minutes and was quoted and like i think is on video quoted saying you shouldn't make a you shouldn't make a picture about your own life and like walks out of the theater and i think that that one as an artist straight up is horrible let you can make whatever the fuck you want it's fine like it's especially to make something about your life is kind of the core of art because it's a self-expression and two that is the worst thing i could think of if you are this world-renowned filmmaker and your son wants to be that it wants to prove to you that he can do something and you walk out minutes into his hard work like that is atrocious and i personally struggle a lot with consuming media from people who embody um like abusive tendencies and i don't know if i would label miyazaki as abusive he just kind of sounds like a shitty dad but there are definitely layers to him as an individual that I think both contributes to his work, but also takes it to a level that somebody else might not take it to for that reason. And I feel like, like I've mentioned this on Nerdastic Galaxy, and I think I've mentioned it here, like I don't have a great relationship with my dad, and he has mentioned or rather I have mentioned things that he has told me and his number one favorite fucking thing to tell me as an artist growing up was there will always be someone better than you like this is great good job you need to remember there will always be someone better than you and it was his way of saying like keep striving keep doing better keep improving but it never came off that way and to also hear that (laughs) when you're still learning
0: because artists when you're an artist it doesn't matter I'm Sorry to cut you off completely. I just want to establish quick. Um, I've had people tell me the whole time that, like, I'm a master seamstress. I am constantly always learning. It does not matter how comfortable or how long you have done something. You are always learning and improving. And so to pretend that, like, there will always be someone better than you is stupid because it's not a contest. Nothing is a fucking contest until you're explicitly entering a contest. But even then, everyone's independent. Everyone's life is running independent to yours. It is parallel. It is not perpendicular to anything. Just because someone is better does not mean that you are not good at what you do. And does not mean your love and your soul is not going into everything you make. And this is specifically to you. I know you have gotten much more comfortable with your art as you've improved and as you've gotten older and more separate from what your dad has said to you before, but every time I hear this story, I just get so fucking upset because I've watched you create, I've watched you make what you love, and so for him to say that like there will always be someone better than you, that doesn't fucking matter because they're not you. They're not going to have the same love and the same experiences and the same work and learning and all of this oh no. care that you put into it. That other people will have, and that's fine. They don't need to have the same experience because it's not their art; it's yours. And so, for him to tell you that is so crazy, and it it's just ridiculous because it's like, if you want to be supportive, can you at least listen for a moment in your life of why what you're doing isn't working? Yeah, and thank you. Sorry to completely make your rant about your dad about me. (laughs) No, I, I
1: I teared up at you saying that because like. I I relate very strongly to these kinds of movies for that reason. Mm -hmm. I relate very strongly to like seeing an artist improve and also knowing like the stories that are being told and how it relates to me. But being on the other side of that and being on the side of this amazing artist's kid that like doesn't have a relationship really with the, the person that supposedly like they're supposed to be your hero. And I... I really like that that's conveyed well in like a weird, twisted, ironic way, because I guarantee you Miyazaki is not trying to be like, hey, look at me, I suck as a dad. But it comes through very well in a lot of the stuff that he creates. And I like just everything that you just said, it just was really reassuring and also just made me feel very. I I can't put it. I can't put it into words like it's it's just. You're you're too fucking good, and I love you so much. I know, I and love you. I where the f- <sighs> why are you in Utah? I want to give you a big girl. Hug.
0: Shut the fuck up. Move already. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, on topic. Yeah, he's a shitty dad. I knew that already, and I haven't seen anything worse. It's not like the situation earlier. I don't know if that's gonna make it the full episode. Maybe we don't need forty minutes of Gibby talk in the main episode. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon, Patreon, you get Gibby Talk. Woo, Gibby Talk with the boys. But it's like, that for sure I knew is that, yeah, he's a terrible fucking father. And low-key, you can see it in his work, as you already pointed out. But have you noticed that none of the dads in the show, any of them, I don't think there's any good example of a father in that show. They're all fucked up in some way. And he can say that you don't want to write about your life, but then why are all these dads horrible people? Why do they all have bad relationships with their kids, brother? What's up with that? Because even in My Neighbor Totoro, he's not, like,
1: there. The only good dad...
0: Oh. Ponyo has kind of a good dad. Yeah, that's
1: actually what I was going to say. I was going to say the only good dad is My Neighbor Totoro's no. dad. <laughs> Ponyo has a protective dad that needs to learn boundaries, but he's still caring and loving and and he wants the best for his daughter. While
0: we're on that topic real quick, her mom's hot as fuck. But, well, it's like, my neighbor told her, uh, I don't even think, like, he's, okay, he's a good dad because he listens and he cares about his kids' interests, but the reason that my neighbor, like, Totoro's even fucking there is because these kids are alone doing their own thing because it's like they don't have time to spend with their dad, you know? They don't have time to spend with their family at all. And that's kind of understandable because of the situation yeah. where, like, you know, their mom is in, it's all a little crazy, but it's because that he's not actively there for them, that they're off doing their own thing, running around in the woods, having adventures. And it's written off as, like... You know, like, children experiencing their youth, but really the only reason they're out there is because they're not with their family, because their family doesn't have time for what these two want to do. And, I mean, that's not, like, as severe as some of the others, like, direct notices of, like, bad parenting, like, spirited away. Which, even then, they're not terrible parents, I say in quotes, because they're not great parents. They have no relationship with their daughter whatsoever. They They don't express any care for her whatsoever. they never do. And, I mean, she doesn't express care back towards them, but when you're the child, it's not your job to fix the relationship with your parent. You are their child. That's, it's never up to you to fix that relationship, and Spirited Away is a really good example of that, because she doesn't fucking care about their relationship. She just wants things to go back to normal so she can go fucking home, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. And and she can't drive the (laughs) car.
0: No, she cannot.
1: <laughs> Go ahead. Even even in Ponyo with Sasuke's dad, who's in the Navy, mm-hmm. and he's like on all these cruises and stuff, and whenever he passes, and Sasuke's trying to k- talk to him with Morse code, and his mom runs up and very rapidly signs out through Morse code buzz off like seven times and then goes and opens a beer which you don't see that a lot in Ghibli movies you don't see like that kind of aggression between uh between spouses especially parents at yeah. that but that's an interesting juxtaposition to like Ponyo's parents who I would also like to point out Ponyo still falls in the category of Liam Neeson on the hunt for his daughter <laughs> so let's oh, be real
0: <laughs> full I forgot that one-
1: William neeson is the dad but like both ponyo's parents recognize she's her own person and the dad thinks okay well she's her own person so she can make really grave mistakes i need to guide her and the mom is well she's her own person and she needs to make her own decisions we can't be in the way of that those two are sasuke's mom yes but sasuke's mom is like I'm the only one here taking care of you. Like, your dad is off doing his job, which isn't his fault, but, like, it's it's what's supporting us, but also I would like help. And she has to work with elderly people, so she's constantly serving someone else. And to see that kind of relationship emulated in a lot of other films, like in Totoro, what pissed me off the most in that movie is that Mr. Kusakabe, he goes to the hospital after... Um, Oh, what is her name? Suzuki, the oldest daughter, yeah. calls him from their neighbor's uncle's house because it's like takes place in like the 70s or 80s, mm-hmm. and in very rural area where a lot of people just didn't have phones. And um, she calls him at his job at a university in Tokyo and says, "You have to get to the hospital. We had a telegram. Like there could be something up with mom." And it turns out it was a mistake, that she just has a cold, it's nothing bad, and the girls are freaking out and they tell the older woman that takes care of them that they call Granny. They say, like, Granny, what if she's already dead? And the dad is nowhere to be found. And at the end of the movie, you see him talking to his wife in the hospital and he says, like, oh, I'm sure the girls are okay. One of his daughters was lost and had a whole fucking village looking for her and thought she drowned in a pond. The older sibling is sprinting, crying barefoot through all of these fields trying to find her. And this dad says, I'm sure the girls are Uh, fine. They're fine.
0: Like, fuck you! Exactly. Like, even though it's... Okay, so as you said, yes, he's a good dad in quotes. This is in quotes. Because he's not a good dad. He's doing his best, but... He, I mean, obviously there's no phones, like, there's no cell phones on hand, this is in the 80s, but he's made no effort to check in. He's made nothing. He's just left them in someone else's care and said, I gotta go check on mom, good luck, and nothing else. It's like radio static between the two. And obviously she gets a hold of him, like, for a minute, for a minute, but that's it. That's the only time that you even get to really see them, like, talk to each other as, like, older sibling and dad. Because, you know, when you're the older sibling, you're basically the pseudo-parent in that situation. I mean, you were parented by your brother, I parented my sister, and it's just like, you're the sub-parent in this unit that's being built, and then if you don't have that communication to your uh, upper unit, you know, like a pyramid scheme, there's no fucking relationship there. And, as I said before, it's not ever the child's responsibility to build that path, it's the parents, and when the dad's not checking in, It's not a good example of, like, a good dad. And so it's, like, it's further proof that, like, yes, you write about your life all the time, you shitty fucking father.
1: I would like to uh, go on record that Park said parenting is a pyramid (laughs) scheme. It is! You have more kids, and then they have
0: to respect and pay... Yeah, it's... My grandma's my upline.
1: (laughs) Don't make me snort on
0: recording, (laughs) Jesus. I'm too funny. I'm no, but sorry. you're totally
1: you're you're totally right.
0: That's and it's also
1: um, elder sister syndrome is a real fucking thing. Like my sister, I feel very bad that she was just tasked with like tote your your little sister along with you wherever you go and do this shit and make sure she doesn't do anything stupid. And of course, my sister was like, "I'm gonna go party." Bye.
0: It's like hereditary <laughs> when um, she the shitty ass mom makes him bring her sister to a fucking high school party. Girl, you thought she wasn't gonna hey. eat a peanut? Come on.
1: I have not seen that movie. Oh. So all of that sounds whack out of context.
0: <laughs> TLDR. Um, spoilers for hereditary. Uh do you care if I spoil that movie?
1: I think I know like most of what happens. He takes
0: her to a party, she has a peanut allergy, she eats something that has peanuts in it, he's high as fuck and was about to like I think get laid if I remember. Rushes out, he's still high as shit, he's driving high, she's in the backseat. This is all filmed in Utah, by the way. I know exactly where this was. Um, high as shit. She sticks her head out the window because she can't breathe because her throat's closing up and they don't have an EpiPen. And he's swerving the car and he manages to line it up with a telephone pole and it smacks her head clean off. That's Oh my god. But that's what happens when you fucking have older sibling syndrome. Do not make me take my sister to a party. I'll knock her head right off. We're in Utah, bitch. I'll go to that exact pole. (laughs) But it's real. It's so real. And it's like... It's At least so I recognized me. On Mother's Day, she came in. She was at work. And she came home with flowers for my mom. But the minute I unlocked the door to let her in, she's like, happy Mother's Day to me. <laughs> and then she walked past <laughs> me to go say it to my mom. It's like, I'm glad you know your place, bitch. I'm your parent. But oh, my God. It's fine. It's, you know, when you get older, it's less of a burden. But growing up, it's obviously really hard. And that's really, really common in ghibli films now like we're talking about it like i just realized how often you have older sibling syndrome like with grave of the fireflies or with my neighbor totoro it's always a parent like a i mean i think i'm pretty sure if i remember grave of the fireflies their parents are dead so i mean that can't be helped but but he was always taking care of her anyways before that time before like they died and so it's like Brother, I think you know you're a shitty dad, and you're trying to put this into your writing in some way. Because, I mean, obviously we know that a lot of these aren't inherently based on, like, his own original works. They're based on renditions of, like, books. Like, my um of Totoro was a manga before, and or was it? I'm pretty sure it was a manga. You in said ben. it was
1: earlier. I don't no, know. No, b- there's a
0: manga for it, but I'm trying to remember properly if the manga came first or if the movie came first and then they made a manga rendition.
1: I do know. There's a Howl's Moving Castle book That's that its came own first, book, yes. And then... Hold on, let me Then look. there's The *The Borrowers The The Secret World of Arrietty is based yeah, on. Yeah,
0: yeah. So a lot of them are based off of books and stuff, too. Which is, you know, that's which, fine. You want to talk about a good dad? Dad in The Borrow... In The uh, Secret World, World of Arrietty. Arrietty. Oh my god. all He's such... We're not talking cool. about Sean's dad, though. We're talking about her dad, right? Her dad, okay, yeah. Cool. His name is... Um, I can't remember his name. I think it's... Herb. <sighs> uh, I don't remember the English one. I remember the Japanese one, but... It's like... I think it's... It starts with a P. Let me look real quick. I can... I got the wiki open so I wanted to make sure it was right. It's like a really weird name. I want to say it's... Pod. Pod. That's what it is. Yeah. Yes. Ugh. Hold on. Let me look up this My Neighbor Totoro thing, because I'm going to r- r- rip my hair out if someone tells me in a month. That's the worst part about us like recording ahead, is that I get corrected a fucking <laughs> month after. It's like, thank you! Yeah. I already looked it up. While you look
1: that up, I want to mention very quickly, Um, I haven't watched it in a long time, but the very first Ghibli movie that I owned, and I still have it on DVD, is um, not a Miyazaki film. And it's the first film that I watched that was not a Miyazaki film. And it's uh, the the tale of Princess Kaguya is the title. And it's about the Japanese folklore of the Princess Kaguya from the Moon Tribe, who is found in um, a bamboo shoot by a couple who was un- unable to have kids. And they're a little older and they raise her as their own adopted daughter. And the entire thing is beautiful. It is animated with very little color. It is mostly like ink drawings on a plain background um the animation looks very like sketch-like uh it moves very roughly and the story itself is gorgeous it's a really great telling of it and i think that so few people um understand that there are multiple directors under the studio ghibli name and accredit a lot of it to miyazaki which is why earlier i was stating miyazaki film specifically Mm -hmm. because the tale of princess kaguya is one of my favorites and it is very beautiful and it is subtly beautiful and so if you haven't seen it you should watch it did you get an
0: answer yes so it's a film comic so yeah okay I figured as much. It's a- originally written by Miyazaki. That's one of his first original written works. I think that's why that one was considered, like, Ghibli specifically, and then, like, Grave of the Fireflies, which came out the same year, was considered like, independent, like, a Miyazaki. So, that's probably the right. answer to our question there. But this one was originally written by him, and then in the early 2000s, they went and made a graphic novel for the film. So, one one-to-one, basically, the two of them. So, that's not me, my mistake. My mistake. I just wanted to make sure.
1: Actually, I think The Secret World of Arrietty was also not directed by Miyazaki. Let me double check. If I remember correctly. It was
0: directed... I have the wiki open. <laughs> it was directed by Hiromasa Yonaba... I don't know if was, I don't his name not all. It's not, it Miyazaki. not Miyazaki. Yeah. It's not Miyazaki. But it, the screenplay was by him. Mm, okay. So he wrote the um, script behind it. Because you know how they basically... We already pointed this out in Howl's Moving Castle. They completely changed the script. Um, a, to Japanese, and B, to refine more of like a... Because they like to take... That's what I like. Well, that's what, one thing. Like, compare. Because obviously Disney has their hands on Studio Ghibli. But the comparison between like when they take... All of Disney is based on books, basically, and so the way that they interpret it versus the way like Studio Ghibli, like independently, or Miyazaki does it, is really nice to look at the night and day difference between the two. But whatever, I can't deny that he's a good fucking screenwriter and director than anime. Like, then nah, I can't deny it, yeah. he's a shitty person, but. He do know how to write a screenplay. (laughs) He do.
1: I will also say on that like localization front. um, So I mentioned earlier the scene from Princess Mononoke that just like makes my fucking heart explode every time is when uh, San takes Ashitaka's sword and holds it to his throat, and um, sounds really bad out of context. But (laughs) whenever that scene happens, I did not remember until watching it last night that in the english dub the line is um i'm not going to listen to you anymore and then she like points it to his throat and he says you're beautiful but in the japanese original uh, script it's maybe i'll cut your throat maybe that will shut you up and then he says you're beautiful and i think that in the english dub it kind of waters down how intense san is um that like this man just saved her life she was almost shot and killed she was in a literal knife fight um and was about to be like attacked by a whole village and he pulled her out while bleeding from a bullet wound and brought like brought her to her wolf siblings and was like hey she's alive don't fuck with her and she still is ready to kill him because of her beliefs mm-hmm. and i think that even just that little bit of introduction um, gives so much more credence to her character. And I am very thankful that you can't take out visuals whenever you're changing a dub very easily, because the first introduction we get from her, she's quite literally covered in blood. And I really like that. Like, I like how aggressive and upfront it is that she is so, like willing to die and kill for the forest, and that it's not just a cute little, like, the Lorax movie, like Woot pointed out, that it's literally the Lorax with more violence. Yeah,
0: I noticed that. Sorry, I've been making faces this whole time. (laughs) No, you're good. Because I just but I, I like...
1: something horrible. Go ahead. Sorry. What I'm... did you realize? No. So, I'm, I'm, I just saw it. Sorry. On. Go sorry, on. No, you're what right. did you realize? But
0: I was pulling up because I wanted to see the comparison between the two um, for the screenplay. So, yeah. So, Ariadne was written by, or the screenplay was by, um, why am I blanking names now? Sorry, I'm reading. Miyazaki? Let me get, yes. Let me get this part out first. Um, not like you were interrupting me. Before I get back to the main point here. So, David Henry is Sean, right? When were you gonna tell me that Bridget Mendler was our Yeti? <laughs> the bitch from
1: Good Luck Charlie! Because I don't know who that is. The bitch from Good Luck Charlie! That came on after, like, that was beyond my my time. Well,
0: Amy Poehler is her mom, Disney. so... I know, and I love Amy Poehler. Weird. And then Will Arnett is her... Di- who casted <laughs> this? I mean, like, I know it was Disney and Fox, but like, damn, y'all got the weirdest pics. What the
1: fuck? Carol Burnett is the evil housekeeper in Arei. I don't R&D. know what the fuck is like, happening. That's a really
0: weird pull, but also it fits. It's the weirdest shit. But um the reason that I, this was coming up was because I was looking at like why like this one wasn't directed by him but the screenplay was. So it turns out Hiromasa the animator and director for this one specifically was actually like basically the way that this movie worked and this is probably why it's one of my favorites low key. Um, Hiromasa was one of the lead animators for Howl's Moving Castle, Ponyo and Spirited Away. And those ones were all specifically directed and screenplay written by Miyazaki. And so for him to kind of like work on all of these projects that are major major like A-list um movies for Ghibli we're swapping on the names again, goddammit. Um, it's actually really, really impressive though to see him be the one to direct it after getting to work on all of these other ones because this one has like its own. Did you notice when you were watching it, it kind of has this different approach to a lot of the smaller domestic moments than it does like versus the other ones? Yes. I like that. I like that you can see where he's taken, like, notes from all of these other ones he's worked on that have gotten so well. I think that's probably why, because in the last ten years, I don't think they've really hit it out of the park with any of their more recent movies. Have you noticed that? Are you of that similar opinion? I think Ponyo and Ariadne are the more recent ones that have been, like, notable. I just scraped my ankle on my chair. I'm sorry if that sounded like I shit myself. (laughs) I got a leather seat. And a sweaty body. Ponyo.
1: Oh my God, same. Well, Ponyo <laughs> is from 2008. Um, so it's a little older than this. Arieti is 2010. Arietti is 2010. Um, when Marnie was there, Mary and the Witch's Flower. And there's a new one, the 3D one that I can't remember the full title, but it's um, something in the earwigs.
0: Yeah, it's. Oh, shit. Let me look. And uh, sorry for my ASMR. It's Earwig and the Witch. I have not seen that one. That's right. Um, but the other I two seen it that either. you listed... But I haven't seen any of those.
1: Like, I, have, I haven't I have seen any of the newer ones.
0: Yeah, Ariadu is the last Ghibli movie I've seen. But it's also just because, like, the trailers and stuff for them looked so bland, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. it obviously has the charming art style, except for the 3D one. That one's kind of... Not that it's bad, but just like, hmm, that's something. But it kind of like loses its charm and it ha- I haven't been excited for one in a while. After are you I was
1: really excited for when Marnie was there, but I still haven't gotten a chance to see it. I don't remember because which it's one gay. That one about. And I don't wanna see it. I need to probably <laughs> it's, uh, watch it. I believe about like young, um like two girls that they have a really strong friendship, but it's very heavily interpreted to be uh, queer. So I wanna- I
0: wanna see that. Gal pals! Gal pals! Um, they're cousins. Just gals and being pals. They're cousins, according to four kids. Um. <laughs> uh, don't throw Sailor Moon in here. Girl, you know it's true. They were not cousins. They're kissing cousins. Um. Yeah, they're not cousins. They're girlfriends. They're lesbians. They're kissing Harold. cousins Jesus. in the, uh, western adaptation. What does that even fucking mean? They're cousins that kiss. Like,
1: Okay, but I always thought that there was this weird, like, layer to it of they're only technically cousins, and they can still, like, be in a relationship. Because so that's they because only I edited the That's because my state is... Yeah. But I mean, like, kissing cousins is a legitimate phrase. And so I was always curious if it means, like, oh, you know, you're technically related, but, like, only by marriage, so it's fine if you get well, married like or something. Well, it's, like, second but that's because Oklahoma borders Arkansas, so that shit bleeds into my state. <laughs>
0: Yeah, kissing cousins are cousins that kiss. I don't know why your state is trying to change it to make it like we can kiss be- even though we are cousins. No, you're just ki- cousins that kiss. Uh, there's still cousins. I don't care if it's by marriage, you're still cousins. Um, I think in Oklahoma, it's legal to marry your second it's cousin. It's legal in How Utah, How disgusting too. is that? Ugh, Ew. I hate it. But yeah. It's so gross. Yep. Ew. Why did Anyways. we come to cousins? Oh, because of the English stuff. Because you mentioned well, they Sailor didn't Moon. take out the scenes where they're like romantic and hugging each other and like almost about to kiss. It's like when you watch um, Orion High School Host Club and Hikaru and Kairu are about to kiss, even though it's like bait and they don't, you know, actually kiss. But it's like you get those close scenes where they're about to in the Sailor Moon dub and they're like, no, we're cousins. Like, what? I don't kiss my cousin. I don't get that close. You get the. You get the
1: literal fucking scene of Hikaru and Kaoru like looking like they're waking up after a night of banging because they're both shirtless and like in the same bed and like that's just very a part of the sultry leading. That's up a part of the bit. And they're like, I know, I know it's all a part of the bit and they just do it to freak everybody out. But to a Western audience, it's like, oh my gosh, my sinful yaoi boys. Ooh. I thought we could
0: have you. one episode oh. where we don't talk about Yaoi, but we're never gonna be free. <laughs> Never.
1: No, we're never going to be free, free ever. We're coming up on 2 hours. If someone wants to um
0: mail us a yaoi paddle. <laughs> you know about why they're outlawed at cons, right? Yes. Because of the Edward Ellert cosplayer that literally got crippled. Wait, what? No. I didn't know that. Yeah, that I was one was of just the... because it's like a harassment well, thing. Yes, but one of the big reasons was because I can't remember at what convention it was, but in peak like era, a girl was walking around smacking like cute anime boys with her yaoi paddle. But she miscalculated on an Edward Elric cosplayer because his big ass coat kind of hides where his pants, like where his waistband is. And I think it was actually a girl um, cosplaying as Edward, but I don't know for certain. So I'm just going to use he he pronouns for now as the character. Yeah. Yeah, but she took it and she whacked him. But the issue was that it was at an angle and it was too high up. So it went right into that spot between his pelvis and his spine and fucking crippled them. I think they're fine now, but they were in a wheelchair for, like, two years, according to their post about it. And that's why most of them are at cons, because of, like, serious harm was coming from those. Let me see if I can find the story that... for you to share it. Okay, that gives me
1: so, like, oh my god, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. But also, I saw a TikTok the other day that um, has the same vibes as that of this girl who she went to a Catholic school, and she has um, type 1 diabetes, and... She had her insulin pump and it had like a wire and the wire would stick out underneath her shirt. And she had a teacher who's a nun, who's a Catholic school, who would <gasps> cut headphone wires if she saw them sticking out of your pocket or hanging out of your, your jacket or whatever because they were illegal on school grounds. And she walked up and cut this kid's insulin pump line wire because it was sticking out from her shirt or her jacket or something. And the girl turned around because she heard the scissor cut and she was like, Did did you just do that? Was, well, you shouldn't have headphones on school property. She's like, that was my insulin pump. What are you talking about? And because it was a private Catholic school, nothing fucking happened. The 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 teacher did not get in trouble. There was no legal action that was pursued because it was a private fucking school. I'm gonna so, do it to
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. I went to go fact check this. So it wasn't yeah. an Edward Elric. It was a different blonde boy. It was a Tomoki cosplayer. And it wasn't a temporary cripple. It actually broke his spine and crippled him permanently. Like it broke his spine. Oh my God. So, yeah, here's a video on it that you can watch later. Uh, ooh. Sorry, uh, Nipa uh, Dubs, Nipa, I don't know how to pronounce it. Nipa, I think, is the way it is. Very cool cosplayer. He had a tweet about it back in 2019, and this is what urged it on. But that's a documentary about why the Yowie Pedal is banned. It's kind of outdated now because some of them are coming back. Some of the stories have been falsified. This is one of the ones that is not false, unfortunately. Um, Because I remember when this happened back in the day, and it's crazy. Um, Yeah. Yaoi paddles are okay if you're an adult that knows not to fucking smack other people with them. So if you want to mail us one, do it. Send yeah, us an yowie paddle. It. Mail us one
1: because we won't take them to cons unless to if we ever do a panel or something, we'll just set it gingerly <laughs> on the table in front of us.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. We will be very careful. I can actually just make us one. I can just go get a paddle and then use my cricket and just... Yeah. Oh but we're coming up on two hours. Are you ready Jesus to wrap Christ. up? <laughs> yeah,
1: I think so. Okay, right. so we have a fun little um, sign-off bit thing where we get to embarrass the hell out of each other for one more moment, and uh, we like to read off our very out-of-context DMs and cursed shit that we say to each other. So, <laughs> Parks, do you want to go first?
0: Yes, Um, but I'm going to go out of order And I'm just gonna go with the one that you sent me, like, a month ago. It says, water tastes so much better when you drink it with your hands like some dumb fairy bitch lost in the woods. (laughs) It's true. All I could imagine was you just kind of, like, over the sink, kind of, like, your back is all arched because you're sitting like a shrimp every day. just, (laughs) well, the water is still running. (laughs) That's literally what happened. (laughs) 100%. I used to only drink bathroom water because our tap water was gross in the kitchen. And so I just go into the bathroom and fill my cup. My dad's like, Are you like, are you like on crack? Because you know, when people on crack like have these mouth things that they need and they like eat water bottles and shit. My dad thought I was on crack because I was doing like specifically only drinking bathroom sink water. Oh my god. That had no relevance to this conversation. I just was, mm. my dad's mean to me. What's your quote, babe? I'm
1: also gonna go out of order oh, no. and uh, read something that you sent to me oh, on May 21st at 2:23 p.m., which is oh, no. filmed porn is for playing in the background of parties while everyone drinks and laughs at it, and that's that's it. That's all I'm. But I'm in. right.
0: That's no context. Get to but I'm right. No, you're absolutely not. I am. <laughs> you're the one that's wrong. <laughs> this one's a universal.
1: Oh not to cross promo, but like. You can listen to Come Chat and hear my my thoughts on <laughs> on filmed porn.
0: Uh, uh, okay. Thank you for listening to this episode. Well, this is episode five of Fan Five. Yeah. Five. Five. Uh, five um. Five, five, you can find. Fi- <laughs> I'm trying to end this before we turn <laughs> on another weird. I was <laughs> I was stuttering too much and I couldn't finish when it. You... I'm sorry. <laughs> you um fuck that's two different podcasts you've quoted this in now i mean i started yep. it but like two different <laughs> cuts um you can find the podcast at fan pod on twitter and instagram you can find us on patreon which will be getting the full two hour and 15 minute cut of this because holy shit we don't shut up um You'll get that, you'll get stickers. You'll every month if you are our pro hero or super saiyan. If you join it, you can get access to all of our longer audio podcast forms um why did i say it like that i don't know you'll get access to all of our let's plays and games that we touch which usually tend to tie back in when we get started more and as con season starts to come back up i'll start doing walkthroughs and tutorials and speedruns of how i make costumes walkthroughs through the process neb will do stuff with art we'll do it we'll it's there it's on our patreon you can join for five dollars a month to anything more than that whatever you want Did I miss anything else on our plug? Do you want to plug your stuff while I pull up our Patreon list? Yeah, you can
1: find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nebula underscore Inky. That's I-N-K-Y. I post a lot of art and a lot of anime bullshit. And I am always, uh, always here for people to look at my random postings and ramblings. And Parks, where can they find you?
0: You can find me on Instagram at Crown Guard Cosplay. You can find me on Twitter at littlelightbee. and if you find one, you'll find the rest in my link tree in my bio. Um, before we go completely, I want to go ahead and do our end of it, where we say thank you to our $15 patrons, our Super Saiyans. So, let's get it started with thank you, Hector. Thank you, Jet. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you, Ryan, who is now a patron. He wasn't at the time of when Episode 3 came out, and he sent me a text saying was I not cool enough to just said bitch we record like a month in advance so ryan's here thank you ryan thank you rye and thank you ray for all being patrons this month if you want your name read, and if you want our love and affection doted on you in front of everybody else i mean we already do that just for listening to the podcast and joining the discord and even being in any of our tiers we love you to death but if you want one of those cool perks and if you want me to send you candy and stickers every month you can join our super saiyan for 15 or you can be in our pro hero for 10 Thanks. Am I missing anything else, Neb? I
1: think that's everything. Um, For June, our sticker is uh, the Sailor Scout icon of Nebula, me, as a cute little Sailor Scout with a little moon gradient background, and it's super awesome, and Parks mailed me a copy of it, and I put it on my PC. So if you want to get on on that cute little pixel girl action, then you can join for June's Patreon rewards.
0: And those will be sent... Yeah, this will be sent out, I think, right before that actually comes, right? Let's see. But yeah, this will be coming out like maybe on the 22nd. So if you want a sticker, get a sticker. Thanks. And Join us. These will be coming available on sale coming July. So if you miss them in June for that Patreon month and you still want to buy one, you can later. But first come, first come, first serve. So please sub to our Patreon. Love us. Dote on us. Let us tell you how cool you are. I don't know. Figure it out. If you want to join the Discord and let us know how you th- feel about this episode, you can. Right now we're being hosted by the Nurtesta Galaxy. I think that is everything that I miss. now. We're good. Hell yeah. Awesome. Have a good rest of your day. And we will see you all in two weeks. Goodbye, gamers.
1: Bye. Goodbye.